Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Hey, everybody. My name's Jason. I'm pretty fly for a white guy. And it's so good to be with you. What a cool place to have church. You love coming to church at Grace City at this location. It's really cool. Um, I'm honored to be with you. Uh, I've loved getting to know your pastors. I love, I love church planters. I love church builders. And your pastors are church planters and church builders. And then I love pastors who are normal and you can be friends with them and they're cool people. And would you just help me welcome and help me honor your pastor, Pastor Alice B. Birana. So thankful for them and their friendship. And I want to bring a message today uh, about the church. And I'm a, I'm a church guy. I'm a church kid. My dad was a pastor, so I'm a, a pastor's kid. My mom literally went into labor during a Wednesday night Bible study. And uh, when I was born, the whole church was in the waiting room. So I'm kind of a big deal. Um, the mentality of every pastor's kid ever, but that's another story, that's another time. Um, and I wanna, I, I love the church. I'm dedicating my life to building one thing and that's building the church of Jesus Christ. It's my purpose and calling in life. And, there's a lot of noise about the church, about what the church is, what the church should be. And today I wanna, if I can, helpfully, hopefully cut through some of the, the, the noise and give clarity. If you have a Bible, 1 Timothy chapter three, verses 14 through 15, Paul writes to the apostle Timothy and he says, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. And I wanna to try to provide some clarity today. So I wanna preach a message called, It Is What It Is. Like when it comes to the church, there are just some things that we need to know that this is what the church is. Can I pray for us real quick, Father? We pray today that your presence would be among us. Jesus, we pray today that you would be glorified. Every word that's said, every song that's sung, every child that's ministered to, Jesus, this is your house, these are your people. Everything that is done is done through you, it's done for you, and it's done to you. And today we pray that you receive glory in your house, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Um, I'm gonna start off a little bit intense. This message comes on a little strong, so. Uh, I'm just unapologetically gonna ask for your support. I, I struggle from terribly low self-esteem and insecurity and absolutely uh, basement level uh, levels of self-worth, so I need constant affirmation and feedback. And you're gonna think, that is enough, my God, that is enough affirmation, and you're only getting started when you get to that point. I need, I need amens, I need amen, I need, that's, that's the truth, uh, tell it, um, that's so good, that's so good, uh, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life, you're so handsome, I'm just throwing out, we're just spitballing here, just things you could say to support the man of God, but um, 
Come on, you wanna have some church today? So here's my deal, the church is under attack. It's, it's, it's under attack. And I would tell you the church has always, the, the church has been under attack. Like since Jesus founded it. And about this point you're going, man, I wish you would be a little more positive. So I'll, okay, I'm positive the church is gonna continue to be under attack. That there is an enemy that wants to oppose the church, in fact, we know from the book of Revelation, the final battle that King Jesus will win will be defeating the Antichrist, defeating the Antichrist spirit, and everything that wars against his name, his church, and his people. Jesus is gonna be victorious, everybody. He's gonna reign, and he's gonna be king of kings. And today, you, you and I are called to do something, and that is you and I are called to to battle the kingdom of darkness. If, if you wanna know what, your, what our mission is as, as churches, if you wanna know what our mission is as believers, we are called to battle, but we're called to do it through building one thing, and that's the church of Jesus Christ. And so I like to say it this way, building is our battle. Like we, we're called to be church builders, to build the church of Jesus Christ. And your life will never make sense. You, you'll, you'll never have the, the sense of fulfillment and purpose until you realize that your salvation was for more than just salvation. Your salvation was for a holy calling to something greater than yourself. If salvation was just about salvation, you'd raise your hand and say that little sinner's prayer and then God would just kill you. They like. <laughs> You made it, good job, you know? Like altar calls would be the most terrifying thing ever, you know, just people dropping. Our, our salvation was for a reason, right? God, God calls us to something, and I think this is where we miss. It's like, yes, I have a personal salvation to Jesus Christ, but that personal salvation gave me a corporate calling to build the church of Jesus Christ. In fact, and I, I really believe that, that our lives never make full sense until we realize that our calling is for that purpose, to build the church and advance the kingdom of God. So the Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians 1, and 23. He says, and he put all things under his feet and gave them as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He put all things. You know, what, you know what the word all means in the Greek? I don't know. I don't speak Greek. But uh, my, my assumption is that it doesn't mean a few things. It's all. And can I just remind you today that all things belong to Jesus Christ. That everything belongs to him. One writer said, there is not one square inch of our universe that is not under the authority and the reign of Jesus Christ. Which raises the question, if all things belong to Jesus, then why do we see what we see in the world today? Why, why is there the, the darkness that we see? Why, why are there the things that we know grieve the heart of God, the things that are, that are hard to see? And the reality is that all things belong to Jesus, but not yet has everything been surrendered to Jesus. Now, right now we're in this space of time where we don't have, we're not forced to, to, to 
come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. You, you know, it's our choice. Right now we have free will to determine what we're gonna live under and what the authority of our lives will be. And we're in that space in the world where we get to decide, am I gonna bring my family? Am I gonna bring my life? Am I gonna bring my marriage? Are we gonna bring our communities? Are we gonna bring our societies? Are we gonna bring our churches under the reign of Jesus Christ where he reigns? And we have that choice, but make no doubt about it, there will come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So today, where does Christ reign? Today, Christ reigns in his church. Today, Christ reigns through the church. And so when the church loses, the kingdom diminishes. When, when the church moves backwards, the, the kingdom loses ground. But come on, when the church grows, the kingdom of God advances on the earth today. God's kingdom advances and so our battle is to build the church and in building the church we battle the kingdom of darkness and we do what Jesus taught us to do and Jesus taught us something the strategic position of the church I love this the strategic position of the church is that the church would not be on the background that the church would not be on the sideline that the church would be at the battlefield because he said I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it the church of Jesus Christ is strategically placed at the very front of the battleground that you and I are facing today. And right now, if you want to know what Jesus is doing, Jesus is building his church. He is building what God, he's building the house of God and he is advancing the kingdom of God. And make no mistake about it, Grace City, we are what pushes back the kingdom of darkness. Like what we are doing here today, what we are building together, we are the ones that are called to partner with Jesus. And it is what it is. The church is the battleground of the kingdom of God. It's, it's, it's the battleground of the kingdom of God. Listen, when the church prays, the kingdom roars. When the church worships like you just worship, the kingdom is getting loud and noisy. When the church grows, the kingdom advances. When the church begins to reach out, the kingdom is advancing. We are the battleground of the kingdom of God. And we are called to build the church. We're called to love the church. Our highest calling in life is to partner with Jesus in building his church. We're called to champion the church. We're called to love the church the way Jesus loved the church. And one of the, one of the subtle ways that the enemy will underline the purpose of your life because the purpose of your life is attached to something greater than your life, it's the church of Jesus Christ. And one of the subtle ways the enemy tries to erode the purpose of someone's life is he causes people to get a negative view of the church. And you're like, the enemy's attacking the church. He's actually attacking your purpose to get you out of the church. And it's really difficult to have a right view of God and have a negative view of the church. It's really difficult to have right doctrine and have a wrong view of the church. And there's, a, there's an enemy that's love, that loves to use people's hurt and confusion and, and, and their pain to, to cloud their, their view of the church and get them off mission with their lives. And, 
and, and right now the, the, the phrase is church hurt, and listen to me, I'm, I'm not here to make light of any of that. There's, there's bad things that happen, and there's people that have walked through terrible things, but I, I'm not a fan of the phrase church hurt, because church hurt means the global universal church, and there's Christians right now who are meeting underground in China, and I really don't think they've slighted you in any way. Like, there's people in Iran who are meeting secretly to avoid government persecution. Like, those, those are precious people. So when we say church hurt, we need to be careful because it means the whole church hurt us. And the reality is it was a, it was a leader or it was a friend or it was a, a bad leadership culture or it was toxic. And unless the whole church voted and it was like, should we church hurt Becky? And the whole church was like, I, let's church hurt the heck out of Becky. Then the whole church didn't hurt us, somebody hurt us. But listen to me, there's an enemy that loves to manipulate that, to take that pain to manipulate it, to use their hurt, their confusion, to get you off mission in your life. And church is imperfect because God allowed imperfect people to be a part of the church. Like he let us in, right? We're the problem. And so the church is imperfect and it's, it's a messy way for God to spread his message. It's a messy way for God to, to build his kingdom. But could I also remind you that it is absolutely perfect in fulfilling its mission. And that tells us one thing, that over the past 2,000 years, how could the church perfectly fulfill its mission with imperfect people being a part of it? It reminds us that there is only one who is the head of the church, and his name is Jesus. That this isn't built on a pastor, and this isn't built on a personality, and this isn't built on personal giftings, and it's not built on personal talents. I want to remind you today, Jesus is still the head of his church, and the reason why there's still a church, it's not because of the giftings of some pastor, it's not because of the gift of a few people is because Jesus is the head of his church today. And the church, I love to call it this, the church is perfectly imperfect. God is perfect. We are not, but a perfect God uses imperfect people to fulfill his perfect will. Somebody say amen. And there's, there's so many opportunities for offense from, from big to small. And I, I, I'm a pastor and I'm an introvert and I don't like people, so it's awkward. Um, everybody wants to like, uh, people are used to like, like real shepherding pastors that will hug you. I'm more likely to throat punch you than I am to hug you, but I mean, that could go either way for you. You know, I don't know. And I, I'm not a hugger because uh, all you gotta do, you, you ever have that awkward moment in church where you go in for the big hug and then they stick out the hand for the handshake? You're a creep right there in that moment. Like you're a creep and there's, Y'all know there's a fine line on an appropriate hug and an inappropriate hug. First of all, all church hugs are side hugs. You can't go full body, it's side hugs. But there is a very short time span on an appropriate hug. Like hug, let go, that's appropriate. You hug and you hold a half a second too long. It turns inappropriate so fast. It's like, welcome to church, let go. That's an appropriate hug. Welcome to church. You hold it for a half a second too long, it's like, welcome to church. I'll be staring in your windows later tonight. <laughs> so like, Jesus loves you, squeeze, let go, you're good. Jesus loves you, you hold it. It's like, you might wanna go ahead and get that restraining order started. Like, this is not, if you wanna freak people out, you just hold the hug. When they go to pull away, you're just like, no, shh, stay right here, stay right here. It's, it's amazing, big, big stuff, small stuff. People will get offended 
And, and, and the enemy will manipulate anything that he can. But can I submit to you that there's, there's a problem because what happens is there is a connection between church and truth. Paul said it this way, I wanna read it again. He said, I hope to come to you, I'm writing these things so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. How many of you know we need to cover our buttress? We, we need a strong buttress, we need a firm buttress, we need a robust buttress. Let's go with the word foundation, the pillar and foundation of the truth. The church is the pillar and foundation of the, tr of the truth. And listen to me, the, the church, through the word of God, the historical universal church, through the word of God, is where God has established truth which means for us today that the Bible can't mean something to us in 2023 that it didn't mean to the apostles in, 23, in, the, in, in 123, that, that it cannot mean something different to us because the church is the, the pillar and foundation of the truth. So in every institution, there is a document that is the undergirding factor of it. So in the United States of America right now, the, the underlying document, the founding document of the United States of America is the Constitution. Like that is what our country is founded on. And I'm not here to be a hater. I bless our nation. I love our nation. We're a mess sometimes, but I like our mess versus anybody else's mess. And I, I bless our nation. But all of our laws, every, all of our structure, everything about our nation is founded on the Constitution. And now, the there are companies and corporations that are founded on what's called corporate values. Undergirding what they do, undergirding their messages are their values. And we're bombarded today with all of these messages from all of these corporations and all of these companies that are shaping our culture. And so nationally, we have a constitution and, and, and culturally we have corporate values. And I wanna remind you today that the Church of Jesus Christ is the only institution that is founded on the Word of God, that our underlying document is the Word of God. And in a culture and in a society, God gave the church to be the ones who would be the pillar and the foundation of truth. So when governments are going crazy and corporations are losing their minds, we are the ones that are the ones that are pushing back against the darkness and pushing back against the lies. And it's the lie of the enemy to cause us to believe that we should be silent in the church about what we believe. And when we do that, we erode the culture and we erode the foundation of the very society that God is trying to use the church to build and the society is not built on a government and a good society is not built on a corporation. A good society is built on the church of Jesus Christ. And today I want to remind you that we are the pillar and foundation of the truth. And when we build the church, we are the ones that are pushing back when governments are going crazy and everybody's fighting politics and everybody's getting involved in cultural battles. Listen, let's battle culturally, let's battle politically, but let's don't be more passionate about that then we are building the church of Jesus Christ of pushing back the darkness and today you and I are a part of the pillar and the foundation of the truth and we are called to build the church and it's messy and, and it is an absolute mess but it is what it is the church is the foundation of truth for a culture what what happened in our nation the enemy lied to the church and said it needed to be silent on important issues and it eroded the foundation. Come on, we're gonna build a firm foundation and we're gonna build, we're gonna build families. 
We're, we're going to build marriages. We're going to build the next generation. And it's the height of audacity of our culture to think that the Bible can mean to us something that it didn't mean then. No, there were people of old who gave their lives so that we could have this word of God. And now our responsibility is to receive the word of God and give our lives to pass on the word of God to the next generation and say, this is the pillar of foundation for your life, for society and for your truth. And I'm a church kid. I got to pick up these papers. I can't leave those on the floor. Without an influential church, culture moves from the foundations of the word of God. And it's messy, but I love what Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, he said, the church is not perfect, but woe to the man who finds pleasure in pointing out our imperfections. Christ loved his church and let us do the same. I have no doubt that the Lord can see more fault in his church than I can, and I have equal confidence that he sees no fault at all because he covers her faults with his own love, that love which covers a multitude of sins, and he removes all of her defilement with that precious blood which washes away all the transgressions of his people. Is the church faulty? Yes, it is. Is the church covered by the blood of a spotless lamb? Yes, we are. We have a heart for the house because Jesus is jealous for his church. The, the first three chapters of the book of Revelation are just a picture of Jesus walking through his church. The imagery is him walking through a, a, a lampstand, but each of those lamps represents the churches, and Jesus is walking through inspecting his church. So if you wonder what Jesus is doing today, well, everybody has their eyes on D.C., New York, L.A., the economic and political capitals of the world. You know what Jesus has his eye on? Jesus has his eye on his church. And the first three chapters, he's, he's challenging, he's correcting, he's loving his church, like he's obsessed with his church. The church is his focus. The church is the apple of his eye. And we're passionate about the church because Jesus is passionate about the church. One of his trips to Jerusalem, he goes to the, he goes to the, the, the temple, which would be our, our version, the, their version of church. And Jesus, you know, everybody, we've, we've rebranded Jesus as the super soft, kind guy who like, has a well-manicured beard and he's always holding a lamb for some reason and children are frolicking around him. And, and this is the version of Jesus that messes with everybody. He gets a whip and starts beating people. You know, it's like a different Jesus. And he starts cleansing the, the temple because the church had turned into a place of consumerism where, where everybody was there to figure out how they could benefit from it and it had distorted the purpose of the temple. So Jesus begins to correct it in John 2, 17. After he does this, the Bible says his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. That when they saw Jesus do this, it reminded them of a Bible verse that said, passion for your house will consume me. And it challenges me because I wonder sometimes if people watch my relationship to the church, what Bible verse would it remind them of? Go to the ant, thou sluggard. I don't, I don't know. But um, being, being like Jesus means we're passionate about the purpose of the church. And church is where we make our investment. And listen, I, no, no one's life has been more blessed by the church than my life. Like there's, there's, there's fruit here. There's harvest here. There's, there's so many things here. But this isn't the place that I come to benefit. This is the place I come to sacrifice. This is where I come to give my time. 
This is where I come to give my talent. This is where I come to give my treasure. I love that you're in the 90 day tithe challenge. This is one of the ways the enemy wants us, wants to devalue the church, is he wants us to lose our heart for the house because when we lose our heart for the house, we lose our investment in the house. And, 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 and all investment is a heart issue of where my heart is at. And worship is never wasted. There's a story of the woman with the alabaster box who breaks in and the scholars estimate that it was a year's salary that she had saved up to purchase this, this oil and she pours it on the feet of Jesus and it is this beautiful moment of worship and the Bible as you walk through the gospels it's like people started to criticize her she's wasted all of this but when John comes along he's the one that goes no it wasn't people it was Judas who was stirring all of that up all of that criticism because Judas had gotten off track with Jesus he had gotten off track with the kingdom he was wanting Jesus to go do something else and so when he saw it he was helping himself to the treasury because he had lost he was stealing from the house of God because he had lost his purpose and he had lost his passion and he had lost his calling and Jesus was the one that stepped up and said, I know it looks like waste to you, but that looks like worship to me. That's an investment into my presence and into my house. And, and, and uh, Matthew would then go on to say that after Jesus cleansed the temple and the temple was cleansed, that the people came and healings began to happen and the children began to ri rise up and praise God. Can I tell you, when we just make an investment in the house of God and we get rid of all co consumerism and we we make this a place where Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer for all people, that this will be the place where people can come and encounter God, that this is the place where people can come and encounter the presence of God, that when we make that the highest priority, that's when God begins to do miracles in the house. That's when God begins to raise up the next generation in the house. And it is what it is. The church is a designated place for God's presence. Well, I can feel God on the beach. Yes, you can, but that's not a designated place. I can experience God's presence presence in my living room. Yes, you can, but it's awkward when I try to go experience God in your living room. Yes, it is. Like you can go, I can experience God in my car. Yes, you can. But this is the designated place that every person needs to know. If you make it here, there is a well that will never run dry. And there is a presence of God that can touch your life. And you can walk in one way, but you can still walk out a different way. And you can walk in sick in your body and you can leave whole. You can walk in sick in your mind and you can leave with soundness in mind. You can walk in under depression and you can walk out full of joy because this is the place where God meets his people. This is the designated place on the face of the earth where God said where two or three are gathered, I'm going to be in the midst of that. I'm going to pour out my spirit there and we need to reframe it for a generation. I love church and you will be blessed by church, but this isn't where I come to get blessed. This is where I come to make my sacrifice. This isn't the place where I come to get something. This is the place I come to get give something. This isn't the place where I come to find out I'm a big deal. This is the place I come to lay down my life. This is the place where I come to find out that the world isn't all about me and I've been called to be a part of something bigger than myself. That this is the place where I don't come to find out how great I am. This is the place I come to get my ego checked. This is the place I come to get my character called out. This is the place where I come to get challenged and changed and on the other side of it, there's fruit and harvest like you will never know. This is the church of Jesus Christ. Somebody give him praise. It's, it's not my house. It's not your house. This is God's house. This is the designated place. This is where Jesus designated. Like I can have church in my living room. Yeah, but when I break in, you call the cops. It's not fun. 
this is the designated place and it's worthy of our investment. We have a heart for God's house because this is where people should be. It's where God does his work in the lives of his people. Listen, God's gonna do his work in your life here at this church. So we use phrases, like our church uses this phrase, and I'll probably step all over stuff. Pastor Alex will fix it next weekend. But we use phrases, like at our church, we use welcome home, because I just want everybody to know that they're welcome at the house of God, right? And then we use phrases like, you belong here, uh, because I believe, it's a conviction I have, I believe every person on the planet belongs in the house of God. I believe that's where you belong. And so many people have said stuff like, if I walked into church, the building would, the building's gonna burn down. And if that were true, it would have burned down when some of us walked in. Amen, somebody? The, the phrase I don't use is there's a phrase that got common in church culture and it was you can believe or you can belong before you believe. And, and I get the heart behind it. It's like that heart to really want people to come to church. But the problem with it is it's, a, it's not an accurate theological statement. Right because there's lots of things you can be before you, belong, before you believe. You, you can be loved, you're loved here today. You can be welcomed, you're welcomed here today. You can be welcome to all the free mediocre coffee that you want. It's the best coffee in all the world. Give the hospitality team a great hand today. Yeah, we love you. I just, I just lost all my friends on the hospitality team. There's lots of things you can be before you, be, before you believe. The one thing you can't is belong is because it's believing that makes you belong. Acts 2.47, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's God who saves you and it's God who adds you. And the idea that you can believe before you belong means that it's up to us to be the ones who put you in the family of God. And the problem with that is we don't put you in the family of God. God is the one who puts you in the family of God. And if, if I took a survey of this whole church and we were like, all of us were like, do we want this guy in the family of God? And all 100% of us was like, we don't want that guy. You know, none of us could keep you out if God wants you in. And I don't believe it's 100, it's more like 50-50 here today, but there are two teams. There is Team World and there is Team Church. That's, there's only two teams in the world, Team World and Team Church. And you're either in the world or you're in the church. And I wanna remind you today, the church is the winning team. And the church, it is what it is. The church is the family of God and the body of Christ. Yes. It, it is the family of God. That's right. And it's not us that puts you in. Yeah. It's God who puts you in, yeah. listen to me, in response to your faith. That's right. Because what puts you in the family of God isn't another person. Yeah. And don't base your relationship on the church to how somebody treated you. Yeah. Because they could be going through the worst day of their life and they're going through hardship and you see them and you felt like they weren't welcoming. No, they're going through struggles too. No, you know what puts you in the church? It's not what anybody receives you. It is your faith that makes room for you in the family of God. And I believe today, come on, God wants to save and God wants to add to his family. Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you for all of these that are 
gathered into this space and into this room. Today, we are an expression of your church. And today, Father, we are the family of God on the earth today. And I know the heart of God is that you wanna add to your own family. And there are those that are here today that feel estranged from the family of God, that feel disconnected from the family of God, that feel disconnected from their purpose and their calling. And today I pray they'd have a personal experience with a living God that would create a corporate calling in their life. Can I ask you a question today all over this room? Is what is your relationship to God's own family? And I realize that coming to church doesn't save you. Being, coming to a building doesn't save you. But I think you can tell a lot about your relationship to God by your relationship to his family. And today I wanna believe two things. God's gonna save and God's gonna add. Come on all over this room. Would you just stand on your feet all over this place? I wanna, I wanna lead us in a prayer. And if that's you today and there's hurt in your life or there's, there's just a place in your life that you've never gone to to like, give God that full surrender to say, God, I want, you to, I want you to do two things. I want you to save me and I want you to add me to your own family. And no person does that. That's the spirit of the living God that does that. He saves you and he adds you and he builds his house on your testimony and your story and we become trophies of God's grace. He positions us in his house to show the goodness of his grace, of his sovereignty and his wisdom. And today what you think disqualifies you is actually the thing God wants to use to show his grace and to show how powerful he is in your life. Come on all over this room. If you've never made a decision for Christ, if you need to make that decision today, if you're away from home, if you're away from the family of God, if you're estranged, come on all over this room, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I receive you now. Come into my heart, come into my life. Forgive me of my past, wash away my sin. Make me a new person. Today I receive you as my leader and my Lord, and I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Come on, I love to do this. I'm gonna count to three. One, two, three. And when I get to three, if this is your moment, and you're believing in this moment that you are becoming a part of the family of God, in this moment you know the grace of God is making the difference in your life, I want you to mark this moment I'm gonna to count to three and I want you to shoot your hand up and this whole church is gonna go crazy because there's a room full of people championing your faith in Jesus Christ. You ready for this, Grace City? Come on, on the count of three. One, two, if that was you, three. Come on, shoot it up right now, shoot it up right now. All over the room, shoot it up, shoot it up, shoot it up, shoot it up. Come on, would you give them a great hand? Give them a great hand. Say welcome to the family of God. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.